the Lord, uh, we need to participate with Him. And if we're not participating with Him, then we're not going to walk into everything that God has for us. But we need to walk in everything that God has for us. And that means that there's an interaction. You know, without you interacting with faith, you don't become born again. Right? There's an interaction. And faith without works is dead. In other words, if there's some faith, then that means you're taking a step towards the Lord. And so we need to have an interaction. Uh, you know, you see over and over again that the disciples prayed for boldness and confidence. Boldness and confidence. I've found, especially recently, I've been really meditating on I've found that boldness and confidence is one of the biggest and most important things in a Christian's life uh, after Christ died and rose again. The boldness and confidence of the believer. And we need to walk in more of that. Right? What would, let me ask you this, what would hold you back from sharing your faith? A lack of boldness and confidence, right? What would hold you back from sharing morals, uh, from living a life of morals? A boldness and confidence. A lot of times peer pressure. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh yeah, there, there, there it is. And uh, that's that. We need to get into that interaction and that boldness and confidence of God. Now, this morning, let's turn to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. First Corinthians chapter four and verse eighteen. Let me ask you this question real quick before we even get started. Who was this Bible written to? Us, right? Who's us? Believers. The church. Yeah. Everybody. Anybody that will receive it, right? And let me ask you this question, kind of defining. Is this Bible written to pastors only? Yeah. Is it written to, you know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers only? Yeah. It's written to believers. And it has some information in here for every believer. And even if somebody's not a believer, if they'll simply get into this Word and they'll start applying these things, they will receive some of the greatest blessings of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Alright. So it's for everyone that will receive it. Let's read this here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. Now some have become arrogant. Everybody's like, ain't you talking about me? <laughs> Some have become arrogant as though I were not coming to you. So Paul's saying, some have acted like I'm not coming to you and they're just going to do whatever. And he's basically saying, like, I'm not going to set it straight. That's what he's saying. He's like, some have acted like I'm not going to come in and set something straight. Well, that's... We know that's not a good thing, right? And then he says, but I will come to you soon. In other words, he was just giving them a little hint to those arrogant acting people. Straighten up. Get your stuff straight. Because I'm coming and I will set it straight. 
Stop acting like you think you know something and let's live this Christian life. That's what he was saying. But then he says, I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I shall find out not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. In other words, arrogance does a lot of talking. Arrogance does a lot of talking. But how does he define somebody? How does the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul define somebody who's not arrogant but living the kind of life a Christian should be living? It's not by words but by power. In other words, this thing's real. And he goes and he says, listen, and I want you to hear this so very clearly. He's not talking about heaven here. He's talking about on earth. But he says, the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. The kingdom doesn't consist in words, but in power. But in power. In other words, you can tell me you're a Christian all day long, but if you're not walking in the power of God, does it really mean anything? If you're not walking in the reality, and is he talking the context here? Is he talking on earth or in heaven? On earth. And he says, look, every believer, he's talking to the church here in Corinth, and he says, look, every believer needs to stop talking about it and start living it. Amen. Please stop talking about it. Stop telling me. Stop being arrogant and do something. You believe what you do. You can tell me you believe all day long. We can tell God, oh yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I believe. But what we really believe is what we do. What we do. Let's, let's turn a couple of chapters back to chapter 2 and start at the first verse. And I want you to see, you know, a lot of times there's principles of God. And even though, you know, Paul here, he's, he's an apostle of God. But yet you see him walking in something here that's a principle of God, a way of God. And he says this, And when I come to you, brethren, I did not come to you with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. In other words, he didn't come in, in all these big words. He didn't come that way. And then he goes on to say this. He says, For I'm determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So what Paul did, he first came to the church at Corinth and he made up his mind. He determined, I'm going to preach a simple message. And the simple message was this. Jesus' passion, His passion on the cross, His passion for what? For us. His passion led Him for us and the Father, led Him to the cross, made Him give up His life, die for us. His passion for us. And that passion opened up a power that brought about resurrection. And when resurrection power was released into this earth, that power 
gave us the ability that even though we were dead in our trespasses and sin, it brought us back to life. It brought about a change in us. It brought about a power. And so Paul said, look, I didn't come preaching some superior uh, wisdom or, or some words that were just so awesome. He said, I was with you, and he's talking about when he first came, I was weak with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. In other words, I believe uh, most of the commentators say about this, they say, Paul went and he was, uh, it, it was kind of like his first time going to this area, and he was going there humbly, not trying to be something, not trying to be arrogant like we read a couple of chapters later, not trying to be arrogant, but to be simply who God called him to be. And he came to them not trying to show you how strong he was, how strong Paul was, but to show you how great Jesus was. Amen. But I want you to see the result of him doing that. He says this, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration and power. Yeah. Amen. He didn't come with persuasive words of wisdom. But what did he come in? Demonstration and power. So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. In other words, Paul was saying, look, I can get up here. I believe that Paul probably could have preached. I mean, he wrote the, basically half of the New Testament. I think he could have got up there and, and talked circles around the people in superior wisdom and superior speech. I believe he could have done it. And it goes on to say that at some places he went into the tabernacle and he won them through, through talking to them. He won them to Christ. So it's not like Paul didn't know what to say or what to do. He just said, I'm coming to you in a simplicity. And I don't want you to grab a hold. I don't want you to grab a hold of me because I can talk good. I want you to grab a hold of Christ because there's proof in the pudding. There's a power. There's a demonstration. And we know those demonstrations were simply the miracles of God, the healing of God, the power of God being released. And the Word, the word tells us that God works with His Word, confirming the Word. I, I know uh, for me, I've found this, I think most of us have found the same, that a lot of times when we enter into church, there's a lot of convincing words. I mean, and there's some incredible orators. I mean, they can lay out some awesome messages. But Paul's basically saying, if you don't come in power and demonstration, you're not coming in anymore. And we know from reading the other one, this is not just how a, a pastor is supposed to be or a preacher is supposed to be. This is how we're supposed to be. In other words, you have that co-worker come up to you at work and they're saying, man, I just need help. And you say, let's pray. Because we're not, I'm not just going to tell you how great God is. I'm going to show you how great God is. I'm coming in demonstration and power. I'm not coming in arrogance. Oh, yes, we're so holy. And you ought to come to church on Sunday. 
them to it. They need help. They need it now. You, they need a cup of water. You're supposed to give it to them. Amen. Freely you have been given. Freely give. You need help. What kind of help is it? Uh, you, need, you need your finances. You need something broken off so that finances will flow. Your, your, your finances are causing trouble in your marriage and in your home. Well, praise God, let's believe together. Well, are you a pastor? No, I'm just a believer. That's right. I'm just a believer. No, I, I just know Jesus. I, I, I can't talk circles around around you in theology and doctrine, and, but I can pray because I know my God. I'm not coming arrogantly acting like I know something. I'm coming because I do know something. I know Jesus. And I know the power of His love that took Him to the cross. And I know the power of the Father that rose Him back up from the dead. And that power was released as an inheritance, according to Ephesians chapter 2. That power was released as an inheritance of resurrection power for everyone who believes. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1. This is awesome. Let's look at 2 Timothy. Oh, Abigail came in here. I was hoping she wouldn't. I gotta tell a story, but you can't listen to it, okay? You gotta go la 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 la. Second Timothy chapter one and verse seven. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity. King James, spirit of fear. But what kind of spirit has he given us? Power and love and a sound and disciplined mind. This is the kingdom. Power. The kingdom consists of a demonstration. How many churches do you know of that there's not a demonstration of the power of God? You know, we're we're soon getting back to a series. I haven't forgotten it, but we had like a you know a little move in the in the in the course of things. But we were in a series called uh, basically bye bye debt and hello abundance, right? And we're looking at how God is an abundant provider and how debt is a bondage. And Jesus came to set us free from every bondage, every one of them. Amen. To set it back, redeem us to the position of the garden before the curse was there. It's, it's who He is. It's what the anointing does in Isaiah 61 and Luke 4. The anointing of Christ is to set the captive free. And so we're in the series and man, we started praying. It's been three months. We've seen over $80,000 of debt go away. 80,000 of debt go away in your life and we know of a lot more that's about to happen right now. There was increase in their life, not just debt being erased supernaturally. This is the power of God. Anybody else? I mean, has there been any other three month period of time where we have heard the voice of God, followed His voice, and all of a sudden $80,000 worth of debt just went away? And we have we had that any other time? Not that I know of. But we just followed his lead. Not only that, but the increase come. Over $26,000 of just increased stuff people weren't even expecting. And then uh, we've had increase in salary of already over $19,000 a year. Increase. Amen. 
In three months since we prayed the prayer, we were just obedient. It came by power. And more is coming. Not only that, uh, we've had in the past year, we've had blind eyes open, deaf ears, deaf ears open. This is who God is. It's demonstration and power. It's not playing around. It's, it's the real deal. And it's for every believer. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. Of power. This is supernatural power of God. Not just power, but power from heaven. Supernatural. He wants to charge you with the supernatural. That's why I said supercharge. See, I want y'all to say that. Supercharged. If you saw the video, super, say, I'm supercharged. Super Amen. We need to get that in. Say, I'm supercharged. Super Alright, now you can't listen to this story, okay? So you just act like it never happened. Alright? Amen. Good. She just got her permit, so she can't hear this. So, when I turned 16, <laughs> when I turned 16, and I got my license, my parents, uh, it, it was some kind of Dodge. It was a Dodge Shadow. Man, I hope they are not watching today. Good, great. They are great. Hey, my dad. <laughs> Go over here. Um, so anyway, I was, they had a Dodge Shadow. Well, it wasn't just a Dodge Shadow. It was a Dodge Shadow Turbo. Supercharged. <laughs> And I'm telling you, you would just be going along fine, you know, and everything's everything's good. And then you just give it, you hit that supercharger, you hit that turbo, and all of a sudden that that and then you go, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like American power anymore, but it was, you know, it, but it went, it was fast, right? And it goes, and and it was like that car, you know, obviously it hit another gear. You'd be going, and it didn't take much. It didn't take much. It just took a little bit more gas. And you'd hit that. I, I was like, I felt like I was stuck. You'd hit that just a little bit. All of a sudden, that car would go, like that. I mean, it just, it just hit. It catch. That turbo kick in. That supercharged kick in. All of a sudden, I mean, you just quit. You could feel that torque and the, the horsepower right there. And I was like, oh, it was awesome. It was so great. It was horrible. <laughs> you never want to feel that. No. Anyway, it was awesome. It was so good. And uh, anyway, so I, I guess it's because we didn't have many cars for me to drive, but they let me drive it. That's some, that was not a good. That was not good. That was bad. And uh, but I didn't hurt it, which is awesome. But one day I was just. I remember it. It it tamed me very quickly. Because I hit, I was going over a street, and it was an older street, and there was a little bump, and when it bumped, my foot went zoop like that, and it went, and it like when he hit the bump, the the wheels came off the ground just a little bit, and I wasn't even going fast, I wasn't even trying to do this, you know, it was just it happened, and but I hit the bump, and and when I hit it, uh, my foot just barely hit that, and it hit into the supercharged, and all of a sudden that thing went, well, I was like. Ah! Like this. And I mean, it just it scared the mess out of me. I'm like, they're never going to drive again. They're watching me. They're following me. They're never going to let me drive again. But then I got done with it. I was like, that was awesome. That was so cool. 
That was so great. It was supercharged. You know, I don't think that compares to the life that God has for us. The supercharged power of God. And it's available. Did we not already read it? That it's available to every believer. But see, and you know, now that we read that, let me ask you this question. Have, have we not had this available the whole time we've been Christians? Yeah. Yeah. But let's be honest, have we walked in it? No. You can't tell me that that car gave me more excitement than my almighty God can and will do. You can't tell me. And, and I, I'll tell you that I've stepped into areas where the power of God has been released and it's been in demonstration in my life and it'll, it can be the same way in your life. And man, those moments, oh my gracious. But see, a lot of times we think that the power of God is just for a moment. No, 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 no. This is a lifestyle of the supercharged nature of the Spirit of God. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but a, a spirit of power. But I want you to see, see, we have it. We've had it. But we haven't walked in it. We've had it. In other words, what that shows us is there's some things that we've got to step into and say, all right, Lord, I take you at your word and, and I move according to your word instead of just letting life happen to me. This is what I found. When I start deciding I'm going to be a man of God. And when you're, if you're a lady, you're going to be a woman of God. I'm going to put on that spirit of power and not the spirit of fear. I'm not just going to talk about it anymore, but I'm going to live in demonstration and power. All of a sudden, I found that, that, that it ramps up and you get to live that supercharged life all the time, not just every once in a while. And that's God's desire for every believer. He says, look, I'm sending everyone in John 17. The context is I'm sending everyone the way I was sent. They will do these works and greater. It's who he is. It's why he said, look, there's, there's someone coming. You need to wait. There's something coming and it's going to supercharge your life. But here's the thing. If you look in this verse in verse 7, uh, you know, it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and a sound mind. But how did he get to that place? How did he get to the place of having power and love and a sound mind? You look one verse before that and it shows you. It says, for this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. In other words, and then he says, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power. So there's a kindling that we need to do, and there's a gift. Do you understand that just because a gift is given doesn't mean that a gift has been received? Just because a gift is given doesn't mean that it gets used. 
See, we've been given the gift of being supercharged through the gift of the Holy Spirit, but we have not necessarily received it or we've not necessarily used it and put it in. And Paul, when you go back to those original scriptures, he says, look, quit talking to me and live the supercharged life of God. Live it. Don't Amen. talk to me about it. Don't be arrogant about it. Show me. Live it. You've got a supercharging, supernatural power of God through the Holy Spirit. And it's our job to trust God, kindle that, stir it up, and live it. Amen. Amen. Not make excuses for it. Amen. So let's go real quick to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11. The Lord has had me dwelling on this scripture. Dwelling, dwelling, dwelling. And it keeps coming up, and it keeps coming up, and it keeps coming up. And I want you to see this. I'm going to come get in your face. Sneak up on you while you're turning your knives. Hebrews 12, 11 says this. All discipline. All means all. Pastor David's here in the Greek. I believe that all there means all, right? <laughs> it means all. Pastor David Hatley, thank you for being here today. That blesses us so much. And you want to thank you so much. All discipline, all discipline, for the moment seems, and it doesn't say it is, but it seems, all discipline seems to not be joyful. But sorrowful. It seems that way. What it means is this. Is that when we get disciplined. Our flesh doesn't like it. That's basically what that means. And your flesh. This is what it means. Your flesh. Never going to like it. <laughs> doesn't that make you feel better? <laughs> I was like. Oh I thought it was just me. No. Your flesh. It never likes it. It does not like discipline. And it's never going to. And it's always going to be the spoiled child, the, 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 you know, throwing the tantrum. That's your flesh. That's the best way to see your flesh. And every time discipline comes, every time discipline comes, your flesh is like, oh, I don't want to do that. And every time, it's like this when I say, look, your supercharged life, supercharged life has been available to you the whole time. And your flesh goes, well, I don't like that. He's telling me I've been missing it. It's always sorrowful. Now, see, here's the thing, though. You have the choice to listen to that flesh and act on it or not. But it, it says this, that all discipline, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet, to those who have been trained by it, discipline, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Amen. See, if we will learn to recognize the voice of the flesh, say, I'm not listening to you flesh, I'm not listening to your tantrum, but I will receive discipline, then we will move into peace, we will move into the fruit that God has for us. God has a supercharged life for us, but it takes partnership with us, with the Holy Spirit, or else we're not going to live it. 
It takes receiving the gift in the first place, but then after we receive the gift, we're supposed to walk in it. And if we don't walk in it, if we don't walk in that gift, we won't live that kind of life. We'll just talk about Jesus, and according to Paul, arrogant. Be arrogant. Well, I don't like you talking about me as I'm arrogant. All discipline for the woman seems to not be joyful. This, I'm really just reading scripture here, but we've got to make a decision. Are we going to decide to put the flesh down and submit the flesh like the Word tells us? Or are we going to take the Word, take it at its Word, and believe it? And that means we act on it. And we receive it, and we start living a supercharged life. See, we've got to kindle, receive the gift, and then kindle the gift. Stir it up. Fan the flames of that gift. We're supposed to be walking in it all the time so that the supercharged life of God through the Holy Spirit is on us, in us, around us, and flowing through us. And it's not just talk. It's demonstration and power. Manifestation. Amen. And it's supposed to be on every believer. Every one of us. Every single one of us. You know, what's interesting is this. When is this, you know, sorrow, not joyful discipline ever going to stop? When are we going to stop feeling the, the Holy Spirit pressing on us and pointing something out in our flesh? <laughs> the only time we will is when we really learn to submit the flesh in the first place. As long as we are listening to the voice of the flesh, it's going to be sorrowful. Because listen, God loves you. Does He not love us? Yeah. He does. And this is what He says about the people that He loves. I discipline, correct, exhort. In other words, is God ever going to stop loving you? Then is His discipline ever going to stop? No. No. So then constantly... God's going to be saying, because I love you, let me show you how to come up higher. Let me show you how to move to a different level. Because I love you, let me put... You know, a lot of times the things that we get irritated on, you know what that is? That's the sorrowful of the flesh. I talked about it a, a few weeks ago. Every time that clock clicks past 12 o'clock, 12.01, all of a sudden our flesh goes... <laughs> You know, and what is that? It's not, it's not God. I don't think God cares a lick about that clock. I know you've never seen that past <laughs> But I know you've never experienced that. We, we're, we're growing as a church. Anyway, it's, it, but you know what? I don't think God cares a lick about that clock. But here's what he does care about. He cares about you. And because he loves you, he disciplines us. And, and a lot of times that little like that, that's not the preacher getting out of line. That's the Holy Spirit putting his finger on the area of your flesh that's talking louder than Jesus is. That, that's what that is. And if we will yield ourselves and submit ourselves we will submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit and stop listening to the voice of the flesh. We will receive the peace, the fruit of righteousness. So how do we move 
into a supercharged life. Let's turn to Acts chapter 1. How do we know if we're living supercharged? Say it again. I'm supercharged. <laughs> Alright, now say it with like you mean it. I'm supercharged. Acts chapter 1, verse 2, it says this, Until the day that he, Jesus, was taken up into heaven, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen, to these he also predestined himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proof, proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Verse 4, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. He said, all right, there's a promise coming. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the time or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. So in other words, he just made a promise that in just a few days, there's going to be a gift given. There's going to be a supercharged gift. You're going to get the gift of a supercharger in your life. But the gift, just because a gift has been given, doesn't mean that a gift is received. And then he says this in verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive a supercharger when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. You will be this. How do we know that we're living a supercharged life? How do we know that we're living that supercharged life? Because there'll be power. And you will be his witness. See, and we can say, well, I'm living it every day, brother. No, this is what Paul was talking about. Arrogance. No, 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 no. I, I, uh-uh. He's like, show me. I'll, t I'll know. I'll see how you're living. And remember, who was this written to? Not just pastors. It was written to believers. So in other words, what we can say is we can look in this scripture right here and it says, but you will receive Power, in other words, power will be the manifestation that you are walking in the supercharged of God. But just because Jesus promised to give, just like He promised His life, doesn't mean that everyone receives it. Just because He promised the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that everyone's received that gift. And even if they have received that gift, doesn't mean that they're constantly walking in it. But the manifestation of a supercharged life is the power of God in demonstration in each and every one of us. So the question is, when's the last time that you saw the power of God manifest? When did you see supernatural in your life? 
Back to Hebrews 12.11. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. So in other words, I know when I ask that question, because I know the condition of the church in America, I know when I ask that question, most people are going to say, hmm, I don't remember the last time I saw somebody healed, delivered, set free. I don't remember the last time I saw a miracle in their life. Because people aren't walking in that supercharge. The other thing is this, is that when you receive the supercharging and you're walking in it, we're going to be as witnesses. Yes. When's the last time that we've led somebody to the Lord ourselves? When's the last time? Now I know this year we've already seen 138 commitments to Christ out of this body. And most of them have been one-on-one. -on -one. But we need to understand that this is the supercharger. That when we need to be walking in this, it needs to be a regular thing. It ought to be something that's on our mind all the time. Because I'm walking in the supercharged of God. And this is how the kingdom changes the earth. Instead of just allowing it. This is such an important gift. And so important for us to walk in. And then, let's go... Lastly, to Ephesians 5 and verse 18. Verse 17, excuse me. Ephesians 5, 17. Because this supercharged life is for every believer, but it's not just something to be on you every now and then. Let me show you. It says this in verse 17. So then, do not be foolish. Just like he was saying, don't be arrogant. I'm trying to get something across to you. This is something we need to walk in. Do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand it. I'm about, he's saying, I'm about to tell you. Verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean to be filled with the Spirit? That means to be filled with a supercharged life. Yeah. Be walking in the power. Be walking as a witness of Christ. Be filled with the Spirit of God. That word there originally in the Greek, it doesn't just mean be filled one time. It means that you're filled with the Spirit and then you're refilled with the Spirit and then you're filled, refilled again and refilled again and every day you are refilled with the Holy Spirit walking in the fullness of a supercharged life. Why? So that we can walk not in arrogance, not in words, but demonstration and power as the witnesses of Jesus Christ. This is what the Lord is calling all of us to, not just the pastor, That's right. but every believer. Matter of fact, over in Acts chapter 6, they said, we need somebody to serve these tables. Make sure that they are full of the Holy Ghost, that they are supercharged. Make sure. Well, they're just serving tables. I know. I know. Well, that seems small. I know that's how important it was for people to be walking in a supercharged life. Yes. We're supposed to be walking in this. Now, right now, I you know, I think that I can preach this message right now and I can look at myself and go, you know what? I need more supercharging in my life. I need it more. 
Y'all heard me say, I don't want what men think is great. I don't want what I think is great. I want what God thinks is great. I want what God calls normal. And I'm telling you, in a supernatural life of God, what God calls normal is a supercharged Christian. But it's one that walks in this power of God and overflows in it all the time. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you this this morning because I haven't walked in it like I know it's available. I haven't found many people that are walking in that supercharged kind of life that's really living it. I feel like Paul towards myself. I want to say, look, I need more. I need to walk in more, Lord. I can feel your Holy Spirit drawing me to more and drawing us to more. But I know that we haven't quite done that. Because the first step of moving into a supercharged life is recognizing that Maybe I hadn't been walking it before. You mean, and this is what's great about that. Because no matter where you're sitting, you can go, there's more? Because right now I'm going to tell you what the world needs. It needs more God. It needs a supercharged life. And so I just invite you right now, J.D., if you want to play some music. You know, you're, the first step to a supercharged life is to be connected with the supernatural God. You need to know Him. And even if you've known Him before, even if you've prayed a prayer before, but today, you know, God's saying, this is for you. You're supposed to be living this. Stop making excuses. I don't care who you are. I don't care how many paychecks you sign. I don't care how many people you're over in, in a church. You know, I'm talking to me. I don't care who we are, if we're just talking but not living it, then we need to get on our knees and we need to get something right. We need to get something right. God, the Holy Spirit is saying, look, I want you to be right. Take it down a little bit. I want you to be right. Because when you get right, all of a sudden, you step into the place where the power of God can be real. It starts solving the problems in your home and in you and in your family. It starts solving problems in the people around you. Because all it is, it's the passion and the love of Jesus shining through you. That's the supercharged life. But it's not saying, yeah, I live it already. It's saying... Lord, I know I, the Holy Spirit's drawing me right now. There's more than what I've been living. If that's you, if right now you're just saying, there's more than what I've been living, and I know it. If you, I'm not even asking you to make a commitment, but right now you're going, I know there's more. If you agree with that, will you raise your hand? And saying, I know there's more for me. And so the thing to do is say, okay. All right, Lord, there's more for me. Lord, help to walk in more. And so I just I just invite you, just let's all come up here. Just, just come up by the altar. If you want to hit your knees, hit your knees. If you want to stand, stand. But Lord, we need a supercharged life.
just I just invite you right here. You know, the first step of the supercharged life is this. Is that we need our relationship right. Maybe we've accepted Christ before. Maybe we haven't accepted Christ before. But regardless of whether we have or we haven't, we need that relationship. It's like on this dial here. We need that relationship pinging. Knocking the end off of that dial. We need our relationship as high with the Lord as it can be. And then we need to ask for the gift of the supercharging. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be overflowing. Not just once, but constant. So right now, I just invite everybody to pray this prayer. Just pray this. Say these words out loud. You get serious with God in your heart. He will get serious with you. And your life will change. There's hope. Just say, Father, right now, I need that relationship forever. I need it as high as it can be. And according to your word, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I confess Him as my Lord. He is the director of my life. He calls the shots. Not me anymore. I repent for when I, when I call the shots. And not let Him. And I believe that by His love he died for me. And I believe that the Father brought Him back to life. And when He brought Him back to life, He brought me back to life. I received newness of life right now. Overflowing life by Jesus Christ right now. Jesus, help me live a supercharged life. Help me solve problems. Escape the captivity that this world has given. And I thank you for it. And I praise you for it. Fill me with your Holy Spirit right now, Lord. Supercharge me. Let me be your witness and walk in your power.